Good morning. How are you today? We've been doing a series on the parables of Jesus entitled Storyteller. Jesus told stories to illustrate what he was trying to teach. And Tim's been doing this. Matthew 13 is a, is a place where a lot of these parables are found. And today that's, there's two parables that we're going to look at that are found in Matthew 13. I believe there's, a, there's several mistakes in your notes, and I'll try to point these out as I go along. And I take full responsibility for these. Uh, but if you'll notice, the first two passages in your notes, I believe, don't have a scriptural reference with them. It didn't. Uh, don't ask me what happened to it, but it is not there. At least it's not in my notes. And um, during the first service, somebody tried to hand me the notes from the bulletin, like, here, you need notes? No, I got them. I got it covered. Um, but anyway, guys, there's two parables we are looking at today in Matthew 13. They're also found in Luke 13. Uh, the references are in your notes, so let's read them together right now, if you would. It says, Then Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden... It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds make nests in its branches. He also asked, What else is the kingdom of God like? It is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Now, guys, there's, there's a couple things about these two parables. These ter- two parables are basically the same. But I want to point out that, that Jesus, most of his parables start the same way that these did. And that is, what is the kingdom of God like? He asks himself, what can I compare it to? What can I use to illustrate the kingdom of God? Now, these two are, are, are and, and all of them tell a, a different story, which one thing you need to know The kingdom of God is not defined by one simple story. Jesus used multiple stories to illustrate multiple aspects of the kingdom of God. And I think it's very significant that we look at these that way. These two, I believe, are telling very similar, illustrating the kingdom of God in very similar ways. And that's why we're looking at them together. But before we get into them, the first thing I just want to talk about, guys, is he is illustrating the kingdom of God. Now I say that because if you've been here at Greater Alton very long, in the past, we've taught something that was wrong. Okay? You've probably heard me say it or, or Tim say it or Alan say it before. But we, it's a very small distinction that makes a very big difference. And this is what we've taught. We've taught that the kingdom of God and the church are the same thing. And that's not right. Okay? And for some of you are saying, well, I remember being taught that years ago. Gary, you taught me in 101. I'm sorry. Okay, but that's not what it is. The church is a part of the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is so much bigger than the church. You see, guys, and what, what happens when you do with that is you limit yourself. When you say the church, the kingdom of God is the church, what happens then when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, that means you go to the church to find out everything you can about God and you don't look anywhere else. And if you say, and we, and sometimes it's misused by churches to say, you need to do what we say. We've decided this is what the church needs to do. You need to be involved. I believe the church is to create opportunities, not requirements. Okay? And the kingdom of God 
is bigger than the church. You see guys, well, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is very simply where God rules. And it is made up of individuals who have decided that Jesus is going to rule in their life. And it's, it's so much, what does that mean? That means you can, you're part of the kingdom of God when you leave this building. You're part of the kingdom of God. You are the kingdom of God on the job and at home and at school. If you've made that decision that says, I'm going to let the king have dominion in my life. That, and that's what kingdom is. The king's dominion. That means, another way to put it, is I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm going to follow what Jesus has to say. Hey guys, that's what the kingdom is all about. It is very significant that you recognize that the kingdom of God is bigger than the church. Church should, is a part of it. The church should help you be a better citizen of the kingdom of God. But you decide on your own if you're going to be a part of that kingdom. So guys, these parables are to you individually. They're not to the church as a whole. And that's how we want to look at these. Okay guys, that's the first thing. So we want to look at what this kingdom is, what these parables say. Number one, they say the parables like a, the kingdom is like a seed. It's a seed. And you need to understand something about seeds, guys. Seeds are designed to produce fruit. Alright? Now I did learn something this, when I was in my research for this. In today's, uh, what's the, or, the organic movement, you know, to eat organic foods. Uh, and to eat more healthy foods. Uh, I guess the mustard seed in and of itself can be eaten and there's health benefits to it. Okay, I didn't research it real well, but in my, I just did a, a quick search and one of the searches I found were the health benefits of mustard seeds and how to cook with them. There's okay for that, but guys, seeds' primary function is not to be consumed, but it's to produce fruit. And guys, we need to realize that. In fact, in John chapter 15, this is not in your notes. But this is what Jesus has to say in John 15. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. See guys, the very nature of the kingdom is to, is to be fruitful. It is not just simply to exist as a social club or as a refuge, but it's to bear fruit in our lives. The next thing, guys, is that the kingdom has a purpose. And it ha- it, its purpose is to be a transforming influence in the world around us. That's what Jesus is talking about, guys, when he talks about the yeast is worked into the dough, and it works all through the dough. And what happens when you put yeast in dough? It changes. It rises. I asked the first service, I said, how many of you have, how many of you have seen bread lately without yeast in it? Well, you just had communion, so you did, all right? But I'm guessing that's not on anybody's, anybody's list of favorite foods. Unleavened bread. Okay? 
Yeast makes bread better. Yeast makes bread more favorable. Guys, that's the influence that we're supposed to have on the world. We're supposed to be in the world, work our way through the world, and to to have an influence on it that makes the world better. Alan's been putting, I think he put it last week or whenever he was up here last, he talks about we're supposed to bring heaven to earth. We're supposed to be like a little capsule of heaven wherever we are. So that people experience, people can see you're different. That's what it's designed for, guys. Influence is the fruit of the good news, guys. You want to know what fruit you're supposed to bear? One of the fruits is you're supposed to have influence. That's what it is, a transforming influence, guys. When I looked up this uh, this parable, and one of the things I've come to learn lately, or use lately, is a uh, Greek interlinear translation of the Bible. Why is that? That is because the Bible was originally written in Greek. And to translate it into English, uh, sometimes something is missed. And you go back and you look, you look more, you look more closely at what's being said. You know, the word that's translated yeast in this story is actually more accurately translated leaven. Which leaven is, there's more than just, there's more Types of leaven than just yeast. <laughs> is that the way to say that? <laughs> and guys, it's, it's a, leaven is a, is a transforming influence. That is what you're supposed to be like. Guys, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians 5 I'm going to read to you. It's not in your notes. But it's telling about this. And it's talking about yeast. And the little background of the story is that within the church in Corinth... There is a member of the church at Corinth who has decided they really don't want to follow Jesus, but they don't want to quit being a part of the church. That's really what it's about. And I encourage you to go back and read the whole chapter yourself. Okay, I'm not trying to hide nothing from you, but I'm trying to be brief here. This is what he says. He says, don't, real, don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. See, guys, what he's saying is that we are not to be influenced. That's why he's saying get the person out of your fellowship that's not following Jesus or else he will influence you. He's saying we are to be influences of the world, not to let the world influence us. Guys, that is what it is. And you need to understand, guys, that right now, you are either one or the other. I believe that that's what's going on. You're either following Jesus and following Him accurately and closely, and you are influencing the world around you, or in all likelihood, you're being influenced by the world around you. And so guys, what we want to talk about today is how do I become a transforming influence? How do I become that person that influences the world around me to have a taste of heaven no matter where I'm at? And that's what we want to talk about. First thing we want to say, guys, is if I want to be a transforming influence, is I have to experience the good news. What do I mean by that, Gary? 
If you're going to be a, trans- a transforming influence in the world around you, you have to be transformed first yourself. Okay? Jesus tells this story in Luke chapter 6. He says, He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. What is he saying? Can a blind man lead a blind man? What's the answer? Duh. No. The way I like to put it is you can't take people where you haven't been. You can't lead people in a direction you are not personally going. You cannot be a transforming influence in the lives of the people around you unless you've allowed Jesus to transform you. My wife and I have a discussion. She said if I don't represent her correctly, she's going to come up here and take the microphone. I was originally going to tell you we have a debate. She says, no, we don't disagree. We don't disagree about what we're saying. We disagree about our approach, about focus, about approach. And what, what it is is this. Is, and she's, she's, got, she's on a, 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 a soapbox, a kick, whatever you want to say, where we need to be sharing the good news. And that's my second point. If you care to jump onto it, you don't have to. But I'll get there in a minute. But she says, we need to be sharing the good news. And I said, what good news do people have to share? I'm not being pessimistic. I'm just saying that it's kind of ridiculous to say, go share the good news. And people say, what am I sharing? What, what am I supposed to be experiencing? There's a video from the 70s, I believe, maybe early 80s of a preacher, uh, McGuigan. Was it Paul McGuigan? Jim McGuigan. Jim McGuigan. And he talks about, you know, door knocking and a guy knocking on a door and a guy comes to the door with a beer in one hand, a cigarette in the other, and a uh, skinny woman in lingerie running around the background. You know? And he's like, uh, well, do you want to know Jesus? You know, the guy knocking on the door, do you want to know Jesus? What for? You know, he says, well, so you can have what I have. He says, what's that? And the guy says, I don't know. And you see, guys, that's the truth of the matter. We have for years gotten up here and beat people over the heads about you need to be inviting people to church. We need to be making disciples. And we, and, and we do. Okay? Let me be very clear. Jesus was very clear on that. Alright? And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But we don't give near the attention to letting Jesus transform our lives. You see, guys, bearing fruit is something that happens naturally. It's not something that you got to squeeze and make it happen. You can't muster up enough strength to bear fruit. Fruit is a natural byproduct of following Jesus. Becoming a transforming influence in the world around you is become following Jesus. But if you're really following Jesus, you should experience the good news and you need to be transformed. How many of you, maybe some of you have been around Greater Alton for a long time. When I think about the years of Greater Alton, there's one individual that I think of who was, this individual could get people to come to church or Bible talk or whatever event we were having like nobody else. And this individual could get people to study the Bible as well as anybody else. But this person today still has the same, they're not here today, okay? They're not here anymore. But I know them still, and they still have the same 
weaknesses and the same struggles that they had 25 years ago. Literally, God hasn't transformed the glaring areas of their life. And so guys, you need to understand, if I'm going to be a transforming influence, I've got to experience what Jesus has to say. Um, some, of you have ex- some of you are probably old enough to know what Amway is. You know what Amway is? It's a chuckle, right? You know what Amway is. I'm told you only get most people, I was told by one Amway representative, you, you only get one opportunity. Most people only meet one other Amway person in their life. I've been, rep, I've been approached by at least ten people from Amway. Amway is basically Walmart without walls. It's Walmart without walls. You can buy every product in the world from them, but you have to buy it through an Amway representative. They don't have a... They, you can't go down the local mall, and this local representative will bring it to you. And their real goal is to get you to be a representative of them too. Because if I'm a representative of Amway, I get a percentage of whatever you buy and whatever I buy and everybody else I want to buy, which is nice. But even better is, if I can get you to be a representative, I get a percentage of whatever you get anybody else to sell. And if you get other people to be represented, I get an even bigger piece. Okay, that's what Amway is. And you know, you want to know if somebody is an Amway, was trying to promote Amway, it'll usually be an old acquaintance or an old friend you run into, and they'll say, hey, are you ever interested in, you know, making a little extra money? They're not talking about selling drugs. Okay? And they try to get you to bite. As a business owner, they love people who are in business because they know you're interested in making money without working. You know? That's what being a business is all about, right? And so they, they approach you this way. Guys, I have a friend that I believe he's still involved in Amway. It's been close to 20 years since he did this. And I told him, I was talking to him, and I said... Uh, he told me, number one, he's the one that told me most people only get one chance at Amway. I'd had ten. It's not destiny. I think they were just persistent. But I talked to him, and, and, and I ran into him in business over and over, and I, I said, finally I told him, I, he wasn't pushy at all, but I said, when you, I said, he, he was talking about how good it was, and I said, well, then why are you still here? You know, he was on the job. He was selling cars. I go, why are you still here if it's so good? Why don't you take the plunge? If you're so convinced it's so good, and, and you, you just do that. He said, yeah, maybe I should. I said, I'll tell you what. I'll join Amway when you quit your job. Meaning, you know, you make enough money and you're off. You, you, you've convinced me that I should give it some attention. Twenty years later, he's still selling cars. Guys, I don't want to be a part of Amway. It hasn't helped him. Guys, it's the same way with the good news of the kingdom of God. What has it done for you? What is it doing for you? And I'll be honest with you guys, if you don't have anything, the good news ain't the problem. Can I say that? That's not the problem. Let me read you a passage here. And you want to know how does Jesus how does Jesus want to transform you? How does he want to do it? I believe the number one way that he does it is or one of the ways you want to do it. No, let me back up. Guys, I believe at any one time you should be able to tell people how Jesus has transformed your life. You need to be able to do that. 
You need to be able to say, what's Jesus done for you? You need to say, let me tell you what He's done for me. He's saved me from divorce. He's rescued me from depression. He's taught me how to be a responsible parent. He's taught me how to be happy no matter what my circumstances are. And that's just a start. I believe you ought to be able to say that at any one moment in time. I also believe you ought to be able to say how He's still transforming you right now. I believe that's what He ought to say. But guys, one of the ways that He does it is through our wounds. Has anybody ever been hurt by anybody? Hurt by life? You know, parents? Okay? Anybody ever been abused? Taken advantage of? Somebody wronged you? Guys, Jesus wants to heal you from that. Jesus wants to heal you where it doesn't have any impact on your life. Let me read this to you. This is not in your notes. This is in John chapter 12, verses 37 through 40. It says, Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in Him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Guys, what's Jesus saying here? He's saying, not everybody's going to believe and be transformed. And so, guys, you need to understand, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, if you call you, claim the name of Christian, you need to know that Jesus is trying to transform your life. That's what being a part of the kingdom of God is all about. And if you're trying to influence the world around you without being transformed yourself, there's a problem. There's a problem. You see, guys, here's in John chapter 12, and this is in your notes. This is what Jesus has to say. He says, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. What's Jesus saying? He says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies. You see, guys, a seed has to die before it can be transformed. That's why Jesus said of His followers, if you want to follow Me, you've got to take up your cross daily. You've got to be willing to die to yourself daily so He can transform you into being more like Him. And so guys, I ask the question, before we move on, of has Jesus transformed your life? You see, if He hasn't transformed your life, you may be like those people in John 12 where it says they didn't believe. You're really not believing Jesus if He hasn't transformed your life. That's all there is to it.
And guys, I encourage you, ask yourself, what is it? And ask, what is, how is Jesus trying to transform you right now? You see, guys, I believe that right now, you've heard me say it. I don't know if you paid attention or not, but you've heard me say it. I've got a little saying that has helped me over the years, and it's very simple. It just says that my circumstances are the classroom for my character to become like Christ. And what that means is, no matter what's going on in my life, I recognize that Jesus is trying to use it to teach me. Now, what's going on in my marriage? He's trying to teach me. What's going on with my children? He's trying to teach me. What's going on with my friends? On the job? With my finances? Jesus is trying to teach me something. Right now, guys, I can tell you, most of you know we've just opened up another car wash, and this car wash is different than our other two. And the learning curve on this car wash is 50 times steeper than the last car washes we opened up. I mean, it is much more challenging. There are more parts and moving parts on this one and more things to know that I don't know. And it is a challenge like no other that I've ever faced in business. This is difficult. And Jesus is, and you know what's going on? Jesus is trying to transform me. Well, how's he doing that? Well, you see, there's this little thing that's popped up that I thought I had a better handle on than what I do called worry. Okay? There's another thing that comes up called trust. Do I trust Jesus to really take care of things? Okay? I've realized that I have a bigger problem with worry and self-reliance than what I thought. Guys, Jesus is trying to transform me right now. My question is, what's he trying to do in your life? You see, guys, if you don't, if you're not trying, if you're not working with him and submitting to him transforming your life right now, you're denying the nature of the kingdom. You don't understand it. God's trying to transform you so he can transform those around you. Second thing, guys, if we're going to be a transforming influence is I have to share the good news. There you go, dear. I have to share the good news. Now, in your notes and probably on the screen, this next scripture reference is jacked up. It's not. It's supposed to be Acts chapter four, chapter eight, verses four and twelve, and I copied and pasted verse four twice. So, I made a mistake. All right. <laughs> anyway, this is what it says. It says those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. You see, guys, this is what it gets back to, and this is why it's so connected, and this is why Susan and I have this discussion. Because you need to be sharing the good news. Jesus is very plain about that. This is what's going on in the book of Acts. There was no great church planting plan or vision. Okay? Why these people spread out was a matter of persecution. I guess it was a plan. I believe God had it planned. Okay? He just didn't tell anybody about it. These people had been focused on letting the good news transform them, on experiencing it. And then when they got scattered all over the place, they just talked about it. 
That was their great evangelistic plan. And I think you see what I'm saying here, guys. They just shared what they'd experienced. And that's why those two are so important. And guys, I just want to take a note here. They sh- look. Sometimes we get caught up in semantics and are we saying the same thing and using different words and all that. Okay? And, and, and let me give you an example. You know, here at Greater Alton, traditionally, when we talk about evangelism, we've talked about inviting people. We've talked about inviting people to events, inviting people to church, inviting people to cross-chat, Bible talk, recovery. That's where evangelism is typically been consistent of. Notice how they say it here, guys. Because they didn't share about their church. They didn't share about how great of a communicator their preacher was or wasn't. Okay? They didn't share about all the wonderful ministries of their church. They shared the good news of the kingdom of God and the power of the name of Jesus. That's what they shared. Now, I can just tell you, I'm a lot more comfortable telling some people about my church than I am about the kingdom of God. And I say that because that's what I know. It's a new world. When you start talking about the kingdom of God, people are, what are you talking about? They're much more comfortable being invited to church and understanding that. And you see, guys, there's nothing wrong with all those things. There's nothing wrong with being here today. There's nothing wrong with you inviting somebody to come with you or to any of those other events or ministries that we talked about as long as those things are literally telling people the good news about Jesus. But I can just tell you from personal experience, that's not what I was doing. I hoped that they would get there. But guys, I can't tell people about the good news of the kingdom unless I understand the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell us about here. That's what he's doing. In Matthew chapter 12, this is what Jesus says. He says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, the fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is, what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. You see, guys, here, this, is, this is the truth of the matter, guys. If you have the good, if you've experienced the good news of the kingdom of God, you can't help but share it. That's what he's saying here when he says, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. You know, another translation puts that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to know what excites a person? You want to know what's in their heart? Listen to what they talk about. 
You listen to what they talk about, and you will know what's in their heart. And if you've got the good news of the kingdom in your heart, guess what? You're going to talk about it. That's the way it works. You see, I know I've experienced the good news when I'm sharing the good news. That's the way that works. The third thing, guys, that I want to talk about if I'm going to be a transforming influence in the world around me is I have to trust God. I have to trust God. What does that mean to trust God? That means you're not going to try to do it yourself is ultimately what that is. Jesus says that if you follow Him, fruit comes naturally. It just happens. You don't have to worry about it happening. It's going to happen. And you see, guys, that's what faith... Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. These two passages in Luke that are in your notes, that just illustrate what Jesus is talking about. He, in Luke chapter 8, he asked his disciples, where's your faith? That's what he's wanting to know. Guys, do you trust me? In Luke chapter 17, verse 5, they start to get it. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now it's interesting to note that what's going on in Luke 17 is Jesus is teaching them about a little thing called forgiveness. What does forgiving somebody else have to do with me sharing the good news? What does me forgiving somebody else have to do with me being a transforming influence in the world around me? You see, if I have a problem with my parents, my, my childhood was less than ideal, I believe that's fair to say. And if I'm bitter and unforgiving towards my parents, why should that influence my sharing the faith with somebody at work? Why should that prevent it? Because I'm trying to give somebody something that I'm not willing to take. I'm trying to say, let Jesus transform your life, but he, uh, he didn't do it for me. It works against you. See, guys, if you don't trust Jesus enough when He says forgiveness is a good thing, you need to forgive other people, why is He going to help you be a, a, a transforming influence in the world around you? That's just the reality of it, guys. That is it. Last week, Tim, he taught a a parable of the the wheat and the weeds. And I encourage you, if you weren't here, to go back. It It was spot on. Good sermon. Good lesson. About how, if we ain't careful, we're not really wheat. And he ended his lesson asking, which are you more like? Are you more like wheat or are you more like the weeds that look just like the wheat until the fruit gets up there and you got to look really close? Which are you more like? And guys, I want to close out today and I want to ask you, which are you more like? Are you more like the yeast 
that influences the dough? Or are you more like the dough that's influenced by the world? You see, guys, that's significant because the nature of the kingdom of God is that we are to be the influencers, not to be influenced by. And I ask you guys, which are you more like? When people look at you, do they see you becoming more and more like Jesus? Or do they see you being just like anybody else around there in the world? Guys, let's pray and we'll be done. Father, it is my desire that the your followers here that, that call themselves members of the Greater Alton Church uh, are influences in the world around them. Father, it is my desire that people at Greater Alton experience the good news of your kingdom. Father, that it's not a religion, that it's not a belief, but Father, it's a true worship of you. It's a true experience that says, I trust God enough to live the way He wants me to live. I trust God enough to do what He says and to let Him transform me into a different person. Father, I know that's not an easy task. I know that that's not... It's easier said than done. But Father, I also know the benefits far outweigh the other way. Father, I just want to pray today and I ask for self-examination. Honest examination. That each person can look at their life and they can say, how much have I experienced the good news of Jesus? How much have I been transformed? And how much am I sharing that? Father, you want your kingdom to be a powerful influence in the world. Father, that's what we are to be. Father, I pray you help us to become that. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.